Project. Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place to have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your host. I am Pastor David, and we got James in the building today. Hey, hey. Yeah, it's just us. Yeah, it's just us, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How yeah. about you? I'm doing awesome, man. Uh, had this little double uh, funeral, so it was kind of a little bummer this morning. Father yeah. and son passed the COVID. Uh, but other than that, man, life is good. Life is yeah. good. I do got a couple quick little, you know, show notes here. Um, shout out to a few places that we haven't mentioned before, okay? Right, uh, Nebraska, Missouri, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, and then across the waters, Belgium and New Zealand. Now we're talking. They're checking New in. New Zealand. So, yeah, Belgium and New Zealand, man. So Yo, I'm going to New Zealand one of these days. Are you? So I we, am. Now we have 13 countries. And 25 states in the United States. That sounds really yeah. impressive. I don't it know does. how impressive it is. But I mean, it uh, somebody's really liking it. I mean, uh, and we are just like downloads away from hitting 5,000 downloads. Hey, hey, where's the yeah. where I'm talking about. Yeah, so thank you, all you faithful listeners out there for checking in every week, even, you know, when we have a bad show. I don't know if we have any bad shows, but, you know, maybe not up to par. You come back the next week, you know. So, um, hopefully that won't be one of these today, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but, yeah, everything's good, man. Everything's good. I, I, I uh, just moving right along. Got to preach a little bit on Sunday. That's right. You did yeah. great, by the way. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I got a lot of good compliments on that one. And uh, um, those are tough, man. When you put yourself out there and put some of your private stuff out there, mm-hmm. uh, and hoping that you know it would help somebody else uh, as you're living through the pain uh, type deals. But uh, you know, got a lot of good people coming up to me. I had some. Um, I had some haters come up to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, some haters. Yeah, I mean, some haters that was uh, been haters for a long time. Well, you know what they say. Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate, but not Sunday. Not Sunday. So what Sunday, were they hating on you for? You know, well, just, you know, I've been accused of doing a lot of different things, and I, and I, don't, I don't want to bring too much of it up, but... They were hate. They've been hating on me for a long time. Uh-huh. You know, not not my biggest fans. Right. Um, Sunday, walking through, you know, trying to leave and walking through the foyer, and I see the hater had my wife stopped. <laughs> You know, and then shout That's out. That's the thing; they don't usually talk to you. They usually talk to everybody else about you, right? Yeah. So shout out to Sandra. She gets a lot of it. You know, uh-huh. they'll stop her and complain about me, or you know, or, or a lot of times they'll tell her good stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I seen this, I was just like, okay, let me just go handle it. You know, because I'm gonna be, the, you know, I'm gonna be the leader of my household and go yeah. over there and handle stuff. And and I walked up to it, bro, and she was singing my praises. Ooh. Yes, this lady was singing my praises, so and you I thought. Was, she was talking trash. I thought, man, I thought I was just going to have to go over and handle business. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, oh, my goodness. I called Brother Calvin yesterday. I said, you will never believe <laughs> the compliment I got. And that made my day, man. The haters turned into, you know, praisers. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so that was it, was it was a pretty cool moment for me, man. I don't think my message was like any like groundbreaking stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
somehow it kind of it, it touched her, you yeah. know. And I think that her son has some uh, learning disabilities and different things like that. So yeah. I think that kind of like connected to where, where she was and some of the things that she had been through with him. So yeah. anyways, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. those ones where you use personal experiences, you're more vulnerable. They're almost always better. They're tougher to it's tougher to say those things, yeah. I think. But, you know, if you can do it. Uh, I think a lot of people get a lot more out of it. Yeah, anyway, those, those things that when you really talk about uh, the deep personal stuff, mm-hmm. like you said, um, but it's tough, man. Because, I mean, that's the stuff that people are going through. Yeah. Know? That's the real stuff. And yeah, so, but as people, man, you put your business out there, and oh, especially, yeah. especially now, like— uh, it's not just like the couple hundred people in the room type deal. And now yeah. it's out there and, you know, on the interwebs and the interwebs forever and yeah. for everybody to see. And then, you know, um, you know, we just talked about all the different places. The podcast is, is going and yeah, man, you're in New Zealand. There's that I'm, guy in New Zealand worldwide, right worldwide. He knows you suffered with dyslexia. Probably. <laughs> 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 you're probably, probably going to stop listening. <laughs> right. Right. Oh yeah. You're listening to dyslexic people across <laughs> from America. But the thing about it is, like dyslexia you don't need Jackson. me to tell you that I have dyslexia. Like you just listen listen to me talk. <laughs> I think I got some very mild form of one of those where uh like specifically where you mix up the first letter yeah. of different words mm-hmm. when you're reading. I get that. Not like every sentence, but if I'm gonna read a whole passage, it's gonna happen a couple times. Right. And there's been some studies, man, that uh people that uh uh struggle with dyslexia or, or most of the time smarter than the average person. Yeah, well, don't you, isn't that the thing with, like, a lot of, like, autistic people? You know, yeah. Like, there are, they're, you know, uh, they struggle in most general areas, but then there's some area where they just, like, excel and, like, right. super good at math or something. Yeah, it's one of the body things, like, if you can't see, your nose is really good. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so you excel. It's pretty cool stuff on uh, some of those um, things, like, they're finding positions in these, like, uh, Fortune 500 companies for people that are, you know, have different struggles but are really good at focusing in on, you know, spreadsheets and they can find errors and mm-hmm. because they can do it all day, rep, yeah. you know, stuff that's over and over and over again. So um, I think it's pretty cool. Like back in my days, kind of what I was sharing, they would just kind of put you off in the room because they didn't know what to do with you. Right. But now they're finding, hey, man, we can, there's real value in some of these things mm-hmm. that uh, these people uh, can do. So yeah. that's awesome. All right. Well, Pastor Caesar, we're missing you today. I know you couldn't make it out, so uh, but we appreciate you. We got a good good um, podcast lined up next week, so y'all stay tuned and listen. So let's jump right into Culture Corner. We don't have Caesar about to go. I know there's nobody about to go in here. I don't have the rap skills. <laughs> Pastor Caesar does so. Shout out to Pastor Caesar. I know he's listening right now. Going, I'm about to. I'm he about is. To. <laughs> it is car at his desk. About to. Yeah, I know his. The people sitting next to him and his kid in the cubicle next door is is like, what, what's he? Where's he about to go? Like, about he's to go just, to lunch? He's about to go. He's really excited about it. <laughs> All right, James, what you got for Culture Corner today? This is probably one of the dumbest things I've read in a long time. That's what I like to hear. Um, But it was really interesting and kind of funny to me. So here we go. This is the title. It says, London YouTuber claims to have been abducted by aliens and fallen in love with one of them. All right. All right. And I showed you the picture of this lady. Here it is again. Just That's the alien? That's... (laughs) 
Well, that's the YouTuber. <laughs> if y'all seen the picture of her, you, that would have been funny. <laughs> uh, no, that's the YouTuber. Okay, that's the YouTuber. Uh, All right. It says, this is the first sentence of it. It says, sick of men on Earth, London actress Abby Bella says that she hopes to normalize interspecies dating. Okay. Yeah, so this is the story. All right, she, so wait, uh, before you before you that, I'm I'm okay, I'm gonna go ahead right now and register this new website online. Uh-huh. Datingaliens.com. Yeah, it's probably like, what <laughs> there probably is if you Google I'm Matchmaker right now. I'm gonna try to get in on, on the ground floor of this thing. <laughs> There's people that are interested in it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. See if uh, I can make a million. So here here's the first sentence of it. It says to find her soulmate, London actress Abby Bella looked to the skies. She claimed that she fell for an alien after it swept her into its UFO and right off her feet. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm. so her... <laughs> dude, every sentence in here is hilarious. Bored by the pandemic and unimpressed by the offerings on Earth, Bella explained that she joked... That she joked online about wanting to... Wanting an alien to abduct me. Uh, before long, she began to have dreams of a white light. And then on May 31st, it Bella happened. says she heard a voice in her dream. It commanded her to wait in the usual spot. Bella had never heard this voice before. And yet she says she knew what it meant. Mm. This, the way this article goes, it just sounds like a really stupid short story. But apparently this is the lady's real life. Okay. Yeah. This is is there life. drugs involved in this? Uh, it doesn't it mention any, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> to find out. I won't read you the whole article, but basically she says that she waits by her window and then a light uh, comes appears. And next thing you know, she's in the UFO and there's a few aliens in there and she can't quite make out their form. Uh, this and that one of them, uh, it, uh, what's the word telepathically, Okay. Uh, basically t- tells her how much he loves her mm. and uh, she reciprocates that love. Wow. And uh, she says it was like being in love times a hundred. Mm. And, uh, but the alien, dude, where's the paragraph? The alien says it's forbidden. No, no, it's taboo to date a human. Oh, so, so he's going out. He's going out oh, okay. to do it because he just loves her so much. Wow. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I just I feel like there's a lot of loneliness going on. Yeah, in, there's a, in there's this a little bit. Life. And uh, anyway, she says, and he says that she can come with him, uh, but she has to consent to going with him. And uh, he didn't say if it was forever. And since she didn't know if it was forever, she opted to go back to her earthly Oh, he would have committed. So she she would have been gone. She could have gone, but she didn't want to be gone forever. Oh, she oh she didn't want to be gone forever. Yeah, because she didn't want. Oh, to I thought she had like commitment issues or whatever, and, and she wanted to make sure that no, he, he was, was ready in to go. Term. Her just her perfect man. <laughs> what was are you talking about right just, now? <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyway, so she comes back, and then now she's like a spokesperson for interspecies oh, relationships. Okay. Mm. You know, because now she's special, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm sure, like their government's funding this too, dude. I, it's just every paragraph in here it has another ridiculous sentence. So, but but uh, it's like taboo for him to date humans, right? So, yeah. like, wonder if he could like. But take he her, was willing take, to do it. But yeah, he was uh, willing to do it. Uh-huh. You think he would like like take him to meet his parents? I don't know. It said he's from the. Uh, oh my gosh, where's the galaxy? 
the uh starts with it. the and andromedia galaxy okay that's where he's from mm. so she knows you know yeah. just go there so she's like she's dialed in she's in uh she's waiting she said uh um she as for abby bella and her alien love bella hasn't given up on her long distance relationship quite yet although she understands if her lover is concerned about capture by the CIA. She hopes that her alien suitor will brave the risk and visit one day from the Andor Andromedia galaxy. Until that day comes, Bella keeps her overnight bag by the window, waiting for the next time she sees a flash of light from the heavens. Wow. So it sounds like you got this really lonely lady who's just starting to make up stuff so she could be special. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff going on there, too. You know, I think that... uh, And she's not, like, an ugly person, right? I'm just thinking maybe, like... You know, she's had some, you know, man issues. Oh, she has. And uh, one of these uh, one of these paragraphs in here, it describes, I can't find it. But yeah, she's just, she's basically just like, uh, Earthmen are, uh, oh, here we go. You know, this, all these negative things. Yeah. But, you know, dating an alien is. That's uh, perfectly fine. It's perfectly normal. Perfectly fine, man. Yeah. I think uh, that, uh, it, listen, if there's some people out there that are going through some, you know, mental issues and stuff like that, go get this stuff taken care of. <laughs> Don't just come up with a. <laughs> Don't just come up with this extravagant story so you can be the leader of the. But you see this now because now she's, a, spokesperson she's an of, activist. Oh, now, yeah. You know? Everybody wants to be an activist for something. Yeah, so, so if you don't fit important. in somewhere, just make it up. Here's the thing, though. So let's assume that there is aliens. Okay. And, you know, a thousand years from now, whatever. Pastor Caesar, I'll let you. Yeah. Think about this, Caesar. Let's assume it's it's a thing. And now, you know, in the distant future, they're visiting us all the time. We're visiting them. It's not even a big deal anymore. If you had a relationship with them, would it be interspecies or would it be like like an interracial thing here on Earth? <laughs> Is it a problem? Um, would it be like me dating a black girl or would it be like me dating a horse? I think it would be... Because one of those is very bad. And it's, it was, just to be clear, it's the horse thing. Yeah. It's the, it's the, <laughs> I don't want nobody to get any type of ideas. So, uh, yeah, what, what do you think? I think it would be more the These horse. These are the questions that the church needs to answer. Well, I just, if I'm going to date an alien, I mean, I need her to look more, you know, more than more one. human than not yeah, less you know tone the eyes down a little bit <laughs> you never seen a girl with big eyes thought that was pretty maybe it'll just be that much yeah prettier. one of those little you know cartoon things um i like big eyes i don't want to throw big eyes but it's the big eyes and the big head and the little body thing <laughs> You never hear of these fat aliens. No, uh, they're all, they're all shape, real bro. slender. Bro, I mean, if you're having to like go from you know galaxy to galaxy, I mean, you got to stay in good Not shape. Not a lot of calories out there. No, no. <laughs> fat enough. I just feel like Elon would already like like you know. He's not in on board on the alien thing. No, no. You haven't heard any of those. No, no. Like that's what I'm saying. I think that he would have like told us already if there's life out there. I mean, he's looking into it very deeply. You know. No, he's just looking to go to Mars. He's not really looking. I bet he would have found the alien if they were out there. <laughs> it does seem like if anybody was going to find him, it would it, probably be. Yeah. So. Or maybe he did, and uh, he's covering him for him. 
Maybe. Maybe he's an alien. Maybe. That so, makes I mean, more sense because he's a little... He's a little alienish. Yeah. Which, yeah. if that's the case, seems like it'd be okay to date an alien. Yeah, I mean, he's doing all right for himself. Yeah. I mean, he's having babies and stuff, so maybe there's something there. So maybe it would be less of the horse. So maybe this lady's on to something. Maybe she is. Maybe, listen, I think it's time for an apology. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've come to the conclusion that dating aliens is okay. I wish y'all could just see this picture of her on this article. Her name is Abby Bella. If you're interested enough, go Google that. Or not. Or not. But probably. But you're probably you know, it's, it's, You'll see her and you'll be like, oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, man. I don't even want to tell my story now. Dude, tell your story. Yeah, that's my whole story. That's it. That's way better than what I have. That was the dumbest I mean, thing I've read in a mine, long time. Mine is serious. Well, and I, I, I think, think I, we could probably use a little bit I of it. I feel like I bring the whole podcast down now if I talk about hey, These were serious questions I was asking. Oh, they were. They were They were just a little humorous, oh. but they were, they were good. All I mean, right, well, let's hear it, man. Biden administration taking new steps to com- combat Texas abortion law. So if you don't know what's going out there right now, the Texas abortion law is called the heartbeat law. So as soon as the baby forms a heartbeat, which is about six weeks mm-hmm. in, um, you cannot have an abortion here in Texas. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people really mad about it. a lot of people are mad about this. It went to uh, some higher courts and different mm-hmm. things like that, and uh, they didn't want to even hear it. So Texas passed the law. Um, and now the current administration is having lots of issues with that. So not only did the law say that you can't have an abortion after a heartbeat, but it's saying that if you know a doctor or you know someone that's having an abortion, that you can actually file charges against them, which is kind of crazy. Um, that you like anybody can file a charge against a doctor just for knowing that they. What do you mean by file a charge? Like a a charge for doing it after it has a heartbeat. Like is like if it's my baby. Yeah. Okay. You don't even have to. It don't, it don't even have to be you. It but you just meant it was like some friend, and I knew. Or you were in a doctor's office, and you've seen it happen, and you okay? You can file the charges against the doctor. So it's pretty interesting. So what the the current administration is doing, they they're doing they're um, basically trying to put some money aside for some of these doctors to protect them uh, in case of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also funding uh, more. Uh, places like Planned Planned Parenthood and and funding them so they can continue to do um, their abortions because they feel like they should be able to do abortions whenever they want. Um, And New York is saying, hey, Texas, if they won't do it, come on up north. Mm -hmm. We'll do it all the way. So what's their laws? Uh, New York, I I don't want to speak out of of turn, but I think it's just like songs is not birthed yet Mm -hmm. type deal. Those, the whole timeline thing is super weird to me because even if you're like pro-choice, like once you get to like eight and a half months or something, you know, most of them are like that's still that's pretty messed up. That's a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then it's like, well, where do you draw the line? And so a lot of those people, they're very upset because they're like, uh, you know, the new new law is six weeks or whatever it is. Right. But it's like, I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere, right? Well, I mean, like 
I mean, you have these preemies, man, that are being born at four or five months that are living and, yeah. and having productive lives and, and different things like that. Do they have issues? Absolutely. But they're being able to live lives and be able to love one another and different things like that. So I just, you would think, you would think if it had a heartbeat, people would be okay with it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, and it's that whole thing where people say, well, if you kill a mother and she's pregnant, they give you capital murder because you ki- you killed her and the baby. Yeah. Automatically capital. So. Yeah. On the other way around, it's not murder if you do it to your own baby. Yeah. It's weird. So. Um, yeah. So I th- think the laws are all over the place. And um, of course, when you get down here in the Bible Belt, you know, people are a little bit more. um Friendly on on uh, you know not not committing murder and that's how I, that's how I I feel about it. Um, but then they bring up the other thing on that is like oh yeah you won't you know it's it's a uh, cradle to grave cradle to grave. It's not just about abortions, but what about you know capital punishment? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. uh, you believe that we we should you know eye for an eye this and that. So I think there's a lot of conversation that needs to be had on all of these things. Um, because at, at, at times I think, well, maybe we shouldn't put, um, people to death. Yeah. Myself, I think it's a cop out. Like, yeah. oh, you're going to get out easy by dying. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not fair. You yeah. know, I think you should maybe live your rest of your life in prison. Then I look at it. Well, then I'm paying for them to be in prison for 40, 50, 60 years or however long it is. Yeah. So there's a lot of conversation that needs to have by a lot of way smarter people than me. <laughs> um, but it's definitely out there. Cradle to grave. And, you know, if we're going to say that we shouldn't kill one, maybe we should look into not killing others. Um, uh, but, yeah. you know, I, I know. This is one of those subjects that a lot of people have a lot of passion. Yeah, which about. to me, the like the people that are pro-choice, that are super passionate, that like will hate you if you're anti-abortion. I don't understand that rage as much because if you look at it from the people that are anti-abortion, they're viewing it as you're killing a baby. Right. Which, if you view anything as you're killing a baby, like you should, it's it seems reasonable to think that that would make you upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's weird to me to think the people that are pro-choice are like, I can't believe, uh, I can't believe you feel this way, you know, and then will like hate people that are anti-abortion for it. It's like, dude, you, they think you're killing a baby, right? You know what I mean? Well, you know, I see one of those, uh, one of those, uh, what you call it? Uh, they were picketing, you know, the abortion clinic, and then of course the other side comes out, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like. You know, picketing against the people that are picketing. And this one lady had the sign that says, you know, go away. We don't want you here. Something like that. I've had 21 abortions. So I'm just like, okay, there's a there's a bigger issue here. If you're treating abortions as, you know, birth control. That's another uh, thing I've heard people talk about. They're like, you're anti-abortion, but are you pro uh, birth control isn't that just like killing the baby before it gets going? Yeah, that and you know, 
birth control is like bad for women. Yeah, you know, people up. Yeah, it messes them up. It, gets I mean, it affects all everybody it. different, but it. Yeah. you're messing with the hormone balance. Of messing with the hormone bodies. balance. So anytime you do that, it's you're going to have some effects. Yeah, I mean, and you see a lot of these ladies that begin to have like uh, weight issues and packing on weight and different things like that, and then when mm-hmm. once they get off of it and they try to have babies and there's issues there, and mm-hmm. uh, so I mean. I mean, you're talking to somebody that's very uninformed about this, uh, so I don't want to speak out for you know women and, and those type of things. But I, you, I definitely want to speak out for killing babies. You know, that's not something that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand for. But um, this current administration um, is definitely saying, "Hey, we're gonna put these this money out there, and we're gonna fight back against it." So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So I got a song for you today. Um, it's kind of going to lead into our, our um, main topic that we want to talk about today. So I looked on the Christian Billboard charts, and our friend Kanye West is number one on his new album, which is uh, littered with secular artists as features. Um, so when I seen this one and I seen the album, and I've listened to probably half of the album, twenty six songs. Yeah, it's a long twenty six songs, and uh, you know Kanye's an artist, man, and uh, his stuff has always been a little bit different. Uh, but this this album is actually I almost feel like he was working through his faith, that he was working through a lot of personal issues through music, and that's. That's the beauty about music, right? Yeah. That you can sit and music could be therapy for you and and uh, be able to do these things. And I felt like he just like got into the cut room and was just like, okay, what's my best fifteen songs? Uh-huh. And he was just like, nah, I like them all. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna do all twenty six. I can see that. Yeah. So this is Kanye West, Hurricane featuring The Weekend and Little Baby. Everybody hurts, but I don't judge rentals. It was all so simple. I see you in 3D. The dawn is bright for me. No more dark for me. I know you're watching me. Some deep stuff there. He was talking about uh, some of his 
know, his mental challenges. He was talking about his relationship with Kim. Yeah, because they're split up now, right? Yeah, they're split up. Uh, he was talking about uh, some other, you know, type of um, trying to be the best and still losing, mm-hmm. you know. I think one of the lines that he said was, uh, God brings the rain, but Satan brings the hell. Yeah. That was a pretty dope line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it's one of those one of those people that uh super creative, but I think some of his creativity gets in his way of uh, really seeing what God has for his life. And, and hopefully he works it out, man. It's been, it's been a minute now, and he's still tr- trying to work it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things. when I, So I started— Reading the um, the track list um, and different things, and he's got everybody on here from Jay Z to Vori to uh, Little Baby, The Weekend, Travis Scott, Little Dirt, Little Yachty. I mean, in the list go Young Thug. It goes on and on and on. Pop Smoke. Roddy Rich. I mean, come on. It's got anybody and everybody that's uh, in the game right now. Tra- uh, tra- uh, trade dollar signs. Tie dollar signs. I'm sorry. Um, so the question that I that I asked James is just like, where where do we have the line as Christians and culture? Mm-hmm. Where do we cut that? Do we listen to uh, secular music? Do we go to the movies? Do we watch Netflix? The Netflix was a thing back in, you know, just last year when they had this certain uh, thing on with those little girls and stuff and every, all the Christians were canceling the Netflix. Oh yeah. Um, so where is the line? Where, where are we supposed to draw this line? Um, and as Christians, there has to be the line. The, the Bible talks about not us being part of the world, but we should stand off from the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what does that look like from your point of view? I think it's a little different for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, it's tough to say because uh, it's kind of like the whole— it's kind of like the whole, uh, if you play violent video games, you're going to go start shooting up stuff. Right. It's like, that's not necessarily the case, but probably is for somebody. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think there's really anything wrong with listening to something that's not labeled Christian or watching a movie that's not a, quote, Christian movie. And, I mean, we've dogged on so many Christian movies yeah. here. For, <laughs> so I, don't, I won't do all that again. But uh, obviously there's a lot of stuff out there that is it's only going to do – uh, bad stuff for you. So you're not going to get good out of it. There's plenty of songs out there that are non-Christian songs that are only going to feed uh, a bad side of you. They're not going to be building you up spiritually. But that doesn't necessarily mean there's not secular songs out there that can't still uh, help kind of build you up in a positive way or whatever, help you look at things in a different perspective and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's different for every person. Yeah. I uh, just recently seen little baby. He was on. Uh, what is the what is the guy that does the the whole um, what you call it um, the choir the choir music and he he never sings but he's like yeah 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 what's his name <laughs> what are you talking about I don't know. Uh, oh my goodness you know the, I'm sure I will but oh, based man. off of that description I didn't know yeah uh, anyways I was thinking Kanye still you said no he, he he was on he, and he's been around forever and he has the choir music and it's the um man 
I cannot believe. You think about Pharrell? No, this is actually show. a Christian guy, a Christian guy that does all the choir music. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, I, I'll, I'll remember it in a minute. Um, but so I think a lot of times that okay, so Vaughn did the same thing. Vaughn took all, not all, but a lot of the most popular Christian rappers, and he put it in on one of his albums, and he got a, you know, a lot of. Flat back. No, forward. they weren't Christian rappers. They wasn't Christian rappers, yeah, but he put it on a on a Christian album. Right. And uh but at the end of the day, man, I think that the the lyrics that came out of it mm-hmm. these rappers really had to put in perspective of what they were talking about. Yeah. You know? So at the very least it might have challenged their faith. Yeah. Um and some of them, I don't know, maybe they just did it for the check. Yeah. Um, but I think that if if you're doing it for the right reasons and not just, hey man, if I can get Jay Z on this track, then I'm gonna sell a bunch of records. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than using it for a ministry, using it for because Vaughn was just like, man, I could have one of my CDs that don't have no no you know none of these secular artists, or I can have a CD would have all everybody's gonna pick up these secular CDs because it has right. you know little Kiki on it or you know Paul Wall or something like that and they're gonna play it yeah uh, and then when they play it they actually hear the gospel being at least check it out yeah, yeah. check it out and they can hear the gospel um, you know but Romans chapter twelve it talks about you know don't conform to the world that we need to be transformed and renewed. Um, and renew our mind. So can we balance that um, culture church thing and be renewed, have a renewed mind at the same time? And I think that this is one of the things I've been thinking about lately is how, when as a preacher, how do I balance teaching the word, but also teaching how to walk out the word in our everyday life. Yeah. And then you have, you know, you have like the reformed or just like really like beating you over the head with the scriptures. If you don't have 12 scriptures and, and you read the scriptures, the first thing that you say when you hit the platform, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. And then you have the other side where it really, uh, you know, they're putting a lot of life experiences in it and the, the, the the pastors are wearing you know the the, the all the fashion jeans yeah tell you about their trip to the coffee store exactly and, and I think that it doesn't have to be one or the other yeah but because of as people we are very tribal mm-hmm. you know and we're gonna go okay I'm gonna I'm gonna ride hard for this team or that team yeah. you know and and uh, I think that. As Christians, that is uh, one of the things that we don't do well. Uh, you know, it's just like this whole, you know, Trump deal. I just seen a billboard on it that says, uh, unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. It had a picture of Trump on it. has a picture of Trump on it, right? Uh, Goodness. Joint heirs, Romans eight seventeen, right? And I was just like... Where where has our culture went where Trump is the savior? Yeah. You know, and these are Christians. We're mm-hmm. quoting the Bible, yeah. but now the culture has, has gone so far that people are reaching for a savior. 
Um, and they're putting Trump. I mean, he's done some good things and he's done some terrible things. Yeah. But this man, I mean, you don't think he's a gift from God? He could, I mean, <laughs> he could be, but unto us a son is given. <laughs> Said and not the about government Jesus. shall be upon his shoulders. Goodness gracious. I just think people get caught up. Uh, people are so emotional. You know, they get caught up in, like, these kind of causes here. You, uh, you talk about, like, I mean, you're talking, it, you're talking about, like, politics. People are real emotional about politics. You're talking about church stuff, like, you should preach this way or that way. I mean, they're, they're talking about spreading the gospel, you know. These are, these are things that, like, the people are going to be really passionate about. And like you said, people get really tribal. And when you get tribal and really passionate about something, you're going to push really hard against whatever you think is not the right way to go. You know, and then obviously that ends up with this big divide. You can see it in politics for sure. You see it in churches for sure. I think the same thing is going to happen with all this uh, culture, secular or religious stuff like you're talking about. Because when you think you're doing it for, like, a righteous reason, uh, it can really, you know, you just get so passionate about it. So if you're like, uh, you know, we're in the world, we're not of the world, so I shouldn't be listening or doing watching anything that's not of God. And you can just, I think the immature Christians lean way too hard against it. Um, but then also immature ones will lean way too hard into it. And uh you know, you can cherry pick verses and support either side of your viewpoint on whatever it is. So I think it's really more just like becoming mature in your walk. And, uh, you can, you know, they say the Holy spirit helps you decipher good and evil and all that. Like you'll know if you, you know, if you should be watching that movie or not, and you know, if it's probably not a big deal, you know what I mean? Uh, but like you said, you know, they just get so passionate one way or the other and you lean way too hard into one side. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's become a, a huge deal, and we've talked about this before, is that with social media and different things like that, we've we've forgotten how to communicate. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think one of the best things that we've done before, okay, just if we remember back into the, the election, and this is, I don't, I'm not trying to get political, but it's just a, a <clears throat> kind of something I want, want us to remember. Do you remember when there were actual debates mm-hmm. when we were going through a presidential election? Uh, you would tell me your side. You would tell me your side. Then the other day we get a chance to respond. And the other way, this last time, which is kind of like really uh, a picture of the culture right now, that they wouldn't even let each other speak. And they were speaking over each other and they were fighting back and forth instead of letting the people that needed to make an informed decision mm-hmm hear what you had to say. Yeah. So we've lost the ability to communicate. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way we're trying to communicate now. Yeah. You know, um, and that's in however many characters you can put in Twitter. Yeah. Or however many characters you can put in uh, Instagram and things like that. Instead of picking up the phone and making a phone call. Yeah. You know, and communicating and, and hearing the, the reflection in your voice and different things like that, uh, because I can say one thing in, you know, uh, 30 characters and you can read that any way you want to read it. Right. Sandra read me 
some stuff sometimes and i'm just like how do you know that's the way they said it Mm -hmm. you know because they put an emoji in there oh okay that's what it is okay all right yeah and they typoed the emojis that's the frowny face does a smiley face emoji game needs to step up to do it yeah so and i think a lot of times that we need to get into a room where we can sit down and communicate back and forth yeah listen i don't i don't care if you don't think jesus is real but let's sit down and talk about sure you know Tell me why you think that, yeah. you know, and I'll tell you why I think what I think and, and just have this open communication. But until things like that happen, I think there's going to be, a, you know, a hard line. Mm-hmm. And I think that's dangerous, especially when you're trying to as Christians. How? And I think I said it in my message on on um, on Sunday is how do you look into the face of Jesus with joy? Mm-hmm. But in the face of your brother with disgust. Yeah. So how as Christians are we supposed to reach the other side if we won't cross the line to go go there? Yeah. Right? Have those conversations. I was um I was talking to a buddy of mine and he went overseas to do some South America actually and um to do some things and some ministry and stuff over there. And um, there was these cities, abandoned cities, high-rise buildings or high-rise over there, six or seven stories or whatever. And the whole city was shut down. There was nothing there anymore. And it was all that was there was um, a bunch of drug addicts basically took over this area. And they've kind of just moved all their issues into this abandoned city, you know. And so they're going there to to try to... um, bring the gospel and while they was there this lady that was on drugs she offered to sell her baby for whatever drugs that she wanted wow right um so i'm thinking like either we can go and we can condemn these people and say they're just lost and you know there's no coming back from those things i mean can you imagine like where you have to be to say yeah forget these babies you Mm -hmm. know and i mean at this point i'm what's worse what is abortion worse or is giving your baby up for drugs you know because you really don't know like okay especially in a day like this like where's this baby going is this baby now going to be set up to be trafficked you know on the other side of the world you know what's going on yeah they're not buying the baby to put it through a good school oh yeah oh yeah let me have that baby we're gonna treat it good yeah Yeah. that's not why it's a drug dealer we're talking about you know um yeah so i think that we have to be able to be in a position where um we do cross the line um I know when I was youth pastor, and I think some of the things we were talking about, we were reading all these different, you know, feature artists or whatever, and you said something, you would just like, I think Caesar probably would know some of these names more than we would, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because as a youth pastor, I would have to really stay up on a lot of those things, right. you know, current culture and different things that's going on. And I, I really feel like Caesar brings a, a huge value to our podcast because of some of those things that he, he's, Hey, you heard of this or you haven't heard of that. I'm like, no, I haven't, but he has to stay up on that. And it's important. Like, how is he going to reach his youth if he doesn't understand the culture they're living in? Yeah. You know, um, that would be like me trying to, uh, sit down and understand the culture that my grandparents went through and telling them how to 
walk that out when I've never been there before. Yeah. So, um, I think it's very interesting. I think that's one of the things that we we as Christians are constantly juggling, and we've got it wrong over the last couple um, generations. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we go through these waves where we get like so dogmatic that like, okay, we're going to read 17 verses today and we're going to do a hard Bible study and everybody write their notes and, and we're going to come back in two days and we're going to do all. And you know, these 12 year olds are looking at you and going, what? Yeah. You know, I, I got homework, you know, I got homework. And then, and then uh, the next generation was just like, okay, I think we took it too far on these kids. Let's just be their friends. Yeah. It seems like everything's always like a reaction to yeah. whatever came right before. You see that a lot of music for me, but it's weird. Cause like you're saying, like, where do you draw the line? Like, like with a lady selling her baby for drugs, like obviously that shouldn't be like a legal thing that we're in support of like anything goes, but it's, but also like you said, you know, is condemning her and throwing her in prison or whatever, is that really going to help? Right. You know, most situations, probably not. Yeah. But like you still, that still shouldn't just be allowed. Good. You know, anything goes, but uh, yeah. Anytime I think about like, where do you draw the line for this and that? I always think about whenever Paul was talking about like anything's le- everything's legal for me, but not everything's beneficial. Right. So, you know, He's talking about, like, I could eat whatever food I want, but I probably shouldn't do that all the time, you know? I'm not going to go to hell because I had a piece of cake, but if all I'm eating is cake, that's not going to be that good for me, right. you know? yeah. So does it's that funny mean— you bring that up because I was going to read that scripture in a little bit, so— well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of that whenever I'm thinking this stuff. So it's like, it's not so much, is this allowed? Should I be allowed to do this and that? You know, he's like, I could do anything. You know, I could talk to anybody. I can go anywhere, but— you know, somebody's got to reach that prostitute, but does that mean I should hang out at the whorehouse all the time? Probably not. But am I going to go to hell because I put a foot in there for, I don't know what, why you would need that, but right. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Hey, I, uh, my buddy wrote an article, uh, man, several years, it's been several years ago about this, uh, this, um, dancer, uh-huh. um, a dancer. Yeah. She was a, a male dancer or she's a female, but she was dancing. Uh-huh. I don't know how you explain that. Um, <laughs> With her clothes off, and uh, uh, yes, okay. But she got saved, uh-huh. and the the title of the um, the uh, article was "Stripping for Jesus," because she felt like I mean, this is shows you how immature her her faith was. She yeah. felt like that she could still do that and reach people. Uh-huh. You know, she's like, you know, how many men that I could talk to about Jesus? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, <it's- laughs> I mean, I mean. I, I get it. Uh, yeah. I get what she's trying to say. Yeah, but it didn't work. Yeah, you know? it doesn't uh, seem like the best call, though. No, no. So that goes back to, like I said, like your maturity in your walk. You're right. not going to make as uninformed, immature decisions like that. Well, you know, the further, the, the more you read your word, the more you're speaking to other Christian people that have been doing it for a while, you know? Yeah, and I think that we always have to look back and to see how Jesus did it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that. When you look at the scripture, that Jesus hung around with a bunch of sinners. Yeah. But if you look at what, at the end of the day, he always pulled back and had his disciples around him. Right. Right. So 
he was showing the disciples, listen, we can go and we can go into the culture and we can reach the people. But at the end of the day, we have to pull back and be around us to make sure the iron is sharpened iron. Yeah. And the other thing is like, what, like, what's the whole point of not hanging around all that sinful stuff? Like the point is you don't want that to rub off on you. You know what I mean? But the more mature your walk is in Christ, the more whenever you go somewhere, you're rubbing off on the culture or whatever it is there. And so I think you gotta be honest with yourself, you know, am I in the spot where if I go there, I'm probably going to conform more to them or are people going to conform more to me? Right. Um, which still doesn't mean you should just go anywhere all the time, you know, use some good judgment. But, uh, I don't think Jesus was in a spot where like, if he's hanging out with the sinners, he's going to start. Silly. Yeah. Of course, you know, it also says he's tempted in every way, like all of us, but still, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, when you was when you was talking about that, it just this thought came in my head. So why are our, our church buildings so nice and fancy, but our outreach ministries are so crappy? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I mean, our outreach ministries are like the leftovers of the leftovers, yeah. <laughs> and then you you know you have somebody. Um, that's put trying to put this stuff together and it's got band-aids and duct tape and mm-hmm. all these different things that go the actually are supposed to be going out to the highways and the byways. I think that we really need to evaluate like what are we supposed to be doing? Um what are we supposed to be doing in in the church? Are we are, are we here just to hang out and 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 um ask for these monies and to to help push forward and and I know like certain churches do a lot of good like you know uh missionary type work and we do a lot of that here yeah, um definitely. but at the same time that we really need to and I know it's in, important to send them people overseas but man there's a lot of if you look at the homeless rate right now in just about every city, it's up a hundredths of percent mm-hmm. over the last 10, 10 years. Um, so I think that we got to figure out like how to take care of a backyard mm-hmm. um, at the same time as we send people, you know, overseas. Uh, I think that kind of goes to like, what's, what's important to you, you know? Yeah. So you'll end up spending most of your money to whatever's the most important to you. So if your church is, you know, the most important thing to you is having a nice building, you know, that's where most of your money is going to go. But if your most important thing is spreading the gospel and reaching as many people as you can, you know, you're going to put it into that. Well, the, the problem with that is like, it's easier for me to have this, you know, uh, this comfortable church, yeah. you know, I'll put my money to that because I want to be comfortable. Right. You know, when I come to church, I want the air conditioner to be at yeah. 70. I want, and you can argue, you know, uh, if you want, uh, you know, the lost to come visit your church, you know, which church are they going to visit? Yeah. Right. They're not going to, they're probably less likely to visit the rundown. Looks like it's falling apart church. So that kind of just talks about some other things too. Like, so we, um, my whole thing is like, we got to build a church for the future, right? Mm-hmm. For the children. So if you build the church for the children, then you have to have, you really have to be balancing that culture line, yeah. you know? So uh, do you, are we pushing the envelope to make sure that we have the things that's going to touch every sense, you know, the, the, the lights that, that touch that sense and the, and the be able to feel it and taste it and touch it and all those different things, because that's what they're getting from the world. Mm-hmm. Or 
do you strip it down and bring them back to like some sense of, you know, what some people would call normalcy, you know, um, because you're really, you're battling that. They can come to church and, you know, fall asleep while you're trying to listen to somebody give you, um, you know, not a sermon, but a lecture. Yeah. You know, Ted talk, a Ted talk, or, you know, you can figure it out how Romans chapter eight, how you walk that out tomorrow when you're out, you know, talking to your buddies. Yeah. And I think what happens is you, so you have that as a discussion and then the church says, well, why don't we just have separate services? Right. So we can have one services like this and that'll reach these people. We have another services like this, but and I think there's a time and place for that, but I think a side effect of that is you end up with the church itself being separated. You know, I go to the Tuesday night service or I yeah. go to this service or whatever. And then you have the whole church where they don't even know each other. And so it's not really, you know, then there's not the unity there, right? which is not a uh, ideal thing. You know, I, I was, I watched this YouTube video that happened several years ago it was something like, the elephant in the sanctuary or something like that. And, and they had um, Michael Chandler and Steve Furtick and um, the guys from Mars Hill, whatever his name is. I forgot his name already. And, uh, you know, some of these, the popular preachers of the time, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and um, it was interesting because if, if you look at from the outside in, and, and, you know, here, here in Houston, we have uh, Lakewood, yeah, and I think it's it's really easy to, to look from the outside in and say they're not doing it right. Yeah, but then if you listen to them speak about it, that they have a mission. Yeah, and because our mission doesn't look like their mission, we think that they're doing it wrong. Right, but maybe this is the mission that God has called them to be on. Uh, I would just—I can't remember if it was Furtick or um, the, the the other fellow that was there, but they were sitting down with Michael Chandler, and Michael Chandler was more of teaching the word, you know, verse by verse on a Sunday morning, and then the other person, it might have been Furtick, he was just like, "Look, man, I'm building my church for sinners. Like, I want my church." Uh, people to come in my church that feel comfortable coming into a place that they would never come. And then I can teach them the gospel. I can preach the gospel, Um, but it's not the same, but we don't know what's going on on the Tuesday night, on the Wednesday night or the small groups and stuff that is that replacing the void that they're not getting on Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I, one of the other guys said something that was very interesting, and they were like, how come sinners are not coming to your church? I think he called them sinners, which was, I think it was a, a bad word. It should have been more of how come the lost are not coming to your church? And he, this guy said that the church is answering questions that nobody's answering. No, the church is answering questions that nobody's asking. So, and I think that was an interesting um comment because we have to be careful that we're not um just up there just talking because that's where we are mm-hmm. you know that we have to be really understanding our community we have to understand where the people are coming from what their what their culture is and answering the questions that they're bringing to the church yeah 
And I think that takes work. It's not just getting up there on a Sunday morning and going, oh, man, I heard this really good message. I'm going to bring it to my church. It takes work to getting down into um, with your pastors, the one that's the ones that are really um, building relationships and with your Sunday school teachers or who, however your your church is structured and doing the work to know where these people are coming from and what their family issues are and what their culture is and how they're dealing with those things. But that, that takes work. Yeah. It takes um, it's a lot of work. It takes, uh, yeah, it takes leaders that are understanding on how to uh, bring that um, information into, for lack of better words, a database and be able to filter it out and be intentional with that information. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are not good at that. A lot of people are not good at, at ciphering through a lot of the, that information and really being intentional about who who's actually in your church, mm-hmm. especially when you get you know a larger church. When you start getting over 200 people in your church, yeah, it's difficult mm-hmm. because now you're relying on a lot of volunteers. You're relying on, you know, uh, Sunday school teachers, you know, uh, other people that are building relationships to find out all the other ministries. Yeah. The church, yeah. And then, and filter that back up to whoever's running the church. Um, that's a big task. Yeah. It's a big task. Um, I don't know. Just all this random stuff that's in my head, but I really, <laughs> good. yeah, I've been thinking about, um, the next generations to come, you know, like how are we going to be able to reach them when there's so much chaos going on in the, in the, in the current climate, you know? Um, but I think, and, and I talked about it a little bit about it, it during the, um, when COVID was at its highest and we were shutting everything down and we were doing remote church and different things like that. Um, everybody was freaking out and trying to buy, you know, uh, equipment to do these things and yeah, all that. Yeah. And um, I was just talking to some other pastors and I was just like, man, how are we going to navigate this? What does this mean for the future? And uh, a, f- a few of them was just like embracing it. You yeah. know, we have to embrace this because they're saying that this is the future. If you're not if you can't get what you're saying out on YouTube and social media, then you're already behind mm-hmm. instead of, you know, a lot of, and, and, I, and I, I agree with this, but a lot of pastors is like, you got to be in the church. You got to be in the church. And uh, I think that's the best way. Yeah. Right. But there's some people that are not going to come back to church. Mm-hmm. They're going to watch it online. So you have to be able to have that reach in all those different areas, not just in one area. So the the churches that can that are going to do it best, they're going to have, you know, these different pathways that hit all of these different areas instead of just saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do these two instead of, you know, doing better. And I think that, you know, we've tried to do that better. Mm-hmm. We haven't always done the best. So I'm not coming to you saying that hey, you were doing all this is great, but I think that, um, the hire with like when we hired Nikki to do yeah. some social media things she's and been doing, great. doing, a, she's been doing a really good job and that just really helped us expand our reach. You know, I think it just goes back to like, uh, I can't think of the exact verse right off the top of my head, but you know, it, where it's talking about like, it, there's value in, coming together with the church body 
uh, you know, not to neglect it or however it words it. I can't remember exactly. But I think it's just saying, like you said, like it's best to come here in person with the church body, uh, you know, all in one mind, one accord and all that. That's best. But uh, that doesn't mean there's not still value in all these other avenues. Social media, put stuff on YouTube, live stream stuff. I mean, like I've gone, I've had times where like I was out of town or something and we were able to watch the live stream uh you know online so like that was good that was better than not being able to watch it but it wasn't as good as actually being there in person yeah yeah so it's like there's still value there but just like you were saying earlier like uh twitter uh, you know communicating through social media and stuff it's all limited and all so it's limited it's not as good as being in person but that doesn't mean that there's not still opportunity and value there that's you know uh, worth seeking out, I guess. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting point because there's, there's that, right? So when, um, I was here most of the time that we were doing, uh, you know, the long distance church or whatever they were calling it at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but my family was at home, Yeah, you know, so Sandra and the kids, they were at home. She would make them stand up and and work during worship. And the pastor was reading the scriptures. Mm -hmm. She would make them stand up and, um, the couple times that I was at home, even as, you know, even as a pastor, it was, un- it was, I mean, I don't know, say uncomfortable, but it was different. Like, yeah. I felt like I should be sitting down on the couch, you yeah. know? That's uh, what you do when you're at home. Yeah, that's because that's you, what that's, you do. You, and then if you, you know, and then you come to church, we spent a lot of time in the sound booth, mm-hmm. you know, um, just by the thing, the different things that we volunteered to do here. Um, it's a experience there. Yeah. And then if you go sit down in the crowd, it's a different experience. Yeah. And then if you go sit on the front few rows, it's a different experience. Um, if you're on stage, if you're on stage, it's a different experience. And, uh, and I always, you know, when I do communion or, or, um, you know, getting ready to preach or whatever, and then I'm on that front row, it's just the experience you get up there is you hear, Almost like you hear the angels singing, you know, it's just that 200 people voice singing yeah. and worshiping God and it's less just, distraction, less, less distraction, opportunity yeah. for distraction. Yeah. If you're sitting on the front row, you're way less likely to have somebody come up and tap your shoulder and say, hey, good to see you, brother. Yeah. As opposed to if you're sitting on the back row, you know, in the middle of the service or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I never even thought about that. And you don't get, oh, there's such and such, you know, I haven't seen him in a while, you know, yeah. or, or. If you're sitting on the front row, you're less likely, unless you're a few people in our church, to get up and go to the bathroom three times. Yeah, that's you true. Know? <laughs> uh, yeah, my dad always is always, well, not always, but every so often he'll uh, talk trash on, a, like, during a worship, when he's leading worship, about people coming up and shaking hands, like, in the middle of worship. Yeah. He's always like, let's get that out of your system right here at the beginning, you know, because <laughs> we're supposed to be worshiping God now, not talking about what we did this week, you know, yeah. that before or after. That's good. I mean, because it is true. And, you know, I think there's, and well, I know there's something important about, uh, important about the altar um, and being in there and worshiping there. And I think it's awesome that the, the youth and not even just the youth, but the, there's other people that go to the altar and worship during our worship services. Because everywhere in the Bible, when tribes would pack up and they would go to a different place, the first thing they would build was the altar, yeah. right? Because there was mm-hmm. power there and that's what the, the Holy Spirit was and all that. So I think it's important that we, you know, we experience um, 
worship services and different things like that from not just the same, you know, to those people in our church that I bought that seat. Yeah. You know, this is yeah, my yeah. seat. Yeah, my name's underneath it. I've been yeah. paying 10% for yeah. how many <laughs> you know? years for that seat. But it's, it's good that we move around a little bit and experience, you know, get out of our, our comfortable position. You know, I talked about a little bit on, on Sunday that there's been lots of Christians that have missed their assignment from the pew. Yeah. You know, because they refuse to get up. They refuse to, to be uncomfortable. Um, but the most important thing is, man, we have to get out in the culture. Um, and I think, that, you know, there is a, a time and a season for everybody to do um, that type of work. You know, I remember when I first become, uh, first came back to Christ, you know, I would go visit the homies in the, in the hood and uh, they were all, you know, blowing smoke in my face and trying to get me high and this and that. And, and, yeah. The first few times, I'm just like, nah, 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 nah. And then after a while, I find myself taking a big breath, taking big breath, you know, but not wanting them to know. And then before you know it, I was smoking again. Yeah. You know, um, so I had to take like time off, like years, two, yeah. three years before I really went back and trusted myself in that position. Because, um, you know, when you when you fall like that. Um, it's not just you, you know, I had a family and a wife and all those things that were counting on me. And now, you know, um, now you're in that situation because you dove a little bit too far into the culture. So there's always, you know, there's always those things and accountability is huge when you, when you're really riding that line. And, um, you know, we talked about it in the rise and fall of, um, Marcel, one of the biggest things, that this pastor did was isolate himself from accountability. Mm-hmm. He changed his bylaws where the board had just as much of a vote as he did. And then he changed his bylaws where basically the board didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, so that isolated him from being corrected, you mm-hmm. know? And then I think that's like the biggest part of it when we're going to walk that line of culture and church is, being able to have people around us, you know, the disciples, they moved as a group, you know, um, Paul and Timothy, Paul was there, Timothy making sure that he was doing the right things when he was starting his ministry out and have those people that can speak into our life and say, Hey, and and I have my wife, my wife does a great job. She just, um, corrected me the other day. You know, I was doing some things. I'm just not, not terrible. I don't even remember what it was. So it wasn't like huge, but she's like, you know, Oh, I know what it was. So I preached first service, uh-huh. right? So I was in the second service and, uh, why everybody was sitting down in the first service. So I stood through early morning worship mm-hmm. Then I preached the whole time, right. you know, so I'm standing up for three hours or whatever it was by that time through mm-hmm. Sunday school, walking around. And then second service, man, I was tired. Yeah. I was tired of being on feet and I had some fancy shoes on and, you know, the fancy shoes are normally not the most comfortable. Uh-huh. Um, so I was sitting down and I was reading a couple emails and she was just like, hey, like, people are watching you. They didn't know in the second service that I had just been on my feet for three hours and preached and did all yeah, those yeah. things, but they're seeing in like a snapshot, yeah. you know, of me sitting down reading a couple emails. Right. Uh, so it's, we just—it's funny you say that because usually on Sundays, uh, I usually have just worked like a long shift the day before, and probably worked a few days before that. And for me, working's not that tough. The tough part 
about uh, the jobs that I do is you're just on your feet all day. Right. You know? So your feet hurt by the end of it all. And then, then Saturdays, usually I've worked a few shifts before, and then Saturday I'll probably work like the whole day. So I'm on my feet like the whole day, like 11, 12 hours or right. something. And then you get up and you come to church and uh, you stand up during worship and all. And sometimes I'll find myself uh, like either during worship or maybe during communion or something. I'm like, I'll just sit down real quick. But I'm like, dude, come on, like, just because my feet hurt like that. Yeah. But I'm like, nah, you got to stand up. Like, come on, you can't stand up for another five minutes. That was it. You couldn't take it. Like, of course you could. So what, what what was funny about it is that during the the early service, we don't have children's church in the early service. Uh-huh. So, you know, Noah, he's eight years old and he kept wanting to sit down. I'm like, no, you need to stand up during worship. Yeah. And then I find myself in the second service <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> sitting down, you know? Well, it's yeah. always like, they'll always say, you know, like if you have trouble standing or whatever, you take a seat at, and, uh, and then, so at some point I'll find myself like, man, my feet are tired. I'm going to sit, I might just sit down and it's like, dude, I'm not, I'm not that 80 year old dude yeah, exactly. with hip problems or whatever. That's, that's sitting down. Cause that's, you know, but even if you were somebody that, you know, that did have some issues, maybe, you know, you had an ingrown that you couldn't deal with or something like yeah. that. You know, people are going to look at you and be like, man, so, not even yeah, 30 were, years old yet. You weren't at the, uh. The thing the ladies had the other day, what was it called? The U2 conference? So yeah. I was at it because I was running sound, not because I just wanted to go to ladies' conference. <laughs> I was like that now. Some people got aliens. And hey, man, people. maybe I just love Jesus more than you. Just, I don't know. But, no, so See, I, whenever the doors are open, I'm, I'm there. there. <laughs> no, so I was there. I was running sound, and uh, I can't remember the lady's name, but one of the speakers, she um, she had cancer for a while, for like years, and... Uh, she like gave her whole testimony and all, and but anyway, so she suffers from seizures every so often, and she's got all, anyway, so she has trouble standing up and walking. So like when she's going up to preach, you know, she has to have people help her up the stairs to get to the pulpit and all that kind of stuff. And she was talking about how uh, lot lots of t- like she's had people in church uh, where she's sitting down during praise and worship because she literally can't hardly stand up. And then they come up and, you know, say dirty things to her and be like, you, why can't you stand up, huh? You, you right, know, yeah. It's like, you don't, you have no idea who you're talking to, you know? Yeah. And then she'll like walk up on stage and preach and, like, okay, <laughs> and, they, and they hear her testimony, how she suffers from Caesars and all this right. like, and stuff. And they're just, yeah. She rolls out her Yeah, so you never know who you're talking to, you know? Yeah. I think, man, I think what it's about is understanding your calling, what God has had in your life. And you might be of those um, maybe that guy that's go out and he, you know, he's got a homeless ministry, mm-hmm. you know, understand what your calling is, what your assignment is, um, keep people around you, keep you honest, mm-hmm. you know, hold you accountable. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. I think that's really important. Maybe that's your calling. Maybe it isn't your calling. Yeah. Either. Like with me wanting to sit down here and there, it's not because I just couldn't stand up. It's because I was being lazy. Yeah. You know, that's the honest truth. So but I stood, that's <laughs> I stayed funny. standing up. My son, uh, my son had some, Josh, he had some, uh, car issues. One of his struts went out and his truck was already lowered. So it was like, rubbing real bad um and he want he'd been wanting to ra- when he bought it it was lowered so he'd been wanting to raise it back up to like normal height mm-hmm. so he's low riding in the truck yeah uh, so uh, he would be <laughs> so he found this guy that lowered this truck and had all the stock parts okay right on like offer up or whatever 50 bucks for all the stock parts so he's like this is a perfect opportunity i need to change the parts anyways so he, he got the parts and uh so, you know, yesterday we were, I was in with Kelby and he couldn't, we were working on some pull stuff and he couldn't get this, uh, this bolt loose. Uh-huh. And I said, come here, let me put some dad, you know, dad yeah, strength on dad that. Hand strength. Yeah. So I, I loosened it up and, uh, 
And and then same thing later on, Josh, you know, like 11 o'clock last night, we're out there working on his truck and he couldn't get one. I was just like, uh, you put some dad strength on. He was just like, you know, uh, it's not that I can't, but I just didn't like try as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just I was thinking when he said that that we had a men's retreat several years ago, and um, this young man they asked how many push-ups can you do, and he mm-hmm. says I can do fifty. Yeah, and uh, so he went out there and he knocked like thirty-five of them out, like bah, 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 bah. yeah, you know, in the last fifteen he was just like, and then everybody started encouraging him, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, he got to fifty and everybody cheered, and the guy was just like, come on, do twenty more. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't do it, so he like he went, and then it, they kept. Doing doing this over and over again he ended up doing like 150 push-ups but he only stopping with well no i mean like he never like got off down. of his yeah, yeah, yeah he never got off of his hands and his feet mm-hmm. you know and uh and it's just one of those things like we can do you can do a lot more we can do a lot more i heard people they'll talk about like uh you know you're trying to get every rep you're talking about push-ups so like you're supposed to do if you're trying to gain the most strength and the most muscle and all the last few reps of whatever exercise you're doing those are the ones that are the most effective or whatever so once your muscle's already tired and then doing it a little more and uh i've heard people talk about uh you know like how many reps could you actually do of whatever exercise i'm gonna give you a hundred bucks a rep like how many are you gonna actually go for you know you're gonna stop at 10 or maybe you could have done 20 or whatever so I used to I used to work out at the Y over in Pasadena, and uh, there was this big old dude in there. He was a young guy, and he was working out to be the you know to do the world's strongest man. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and later on, I seen him in the power team, like Keenan and them. They came here, yeah. and he was with them, you know. And I was just like, I remember you spot me a few times. But he had, he put me on this workout one time, and he's like, "All right, we're gonna do something different today." And he was like the the Y's hired him to help out in the weight room and He's the trainer man. and stuff. Yeah, like. yeah. So he was just like, all right, we're going to do something different today. We're going to start out heavy and then we're going to get lighter and lighter. Mm-hmm. So we started out heavy, you know, and then by the end of it, I had the bar, yeah, you know, and I'm like straining right. and shaking to get uh-huh. the bar up. And the yeah. people are coming in and going, this dude can't even get the bar up. Like, you don't know what I just did, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, you do those drop sets. They'll get you. Man. man, that was tough. But anyways, listen, man, have somebody hold you accountable. Understand the calling of your life. Go out there and do it. Beat the culture over the head, but make sure you get back to the church. Yeah. You know, oh. don't live out there in the culture, um, but we have to we have to be able to reach the culture. So, uh, if you got those things in line, man, go kick the devil's teeth in. If you don't, <laughs> make sure you get in the local church. Make sure you get some brothers and sisters around you that can do these things. And uh, you know, it's one of those things. If God is calling you, that means you're hearing them. Yeah. You know, uh, so listen to what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. Listen to the people around you and make a difference. There you go. All right. We'll see you next time. We love you. This is The Refuge Project.